Good morning and happy, happy Wednesday or Monday to you. It's Monday morning. It is 7 a.m. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Let's begin our day and our week together in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to share some words with you as we begin the show this morning. Hear and let it penetrate your heart, my dear little son. Let nothing discourage you, nothing depress you. Let nothing alter your heart or your countenance. Also, do not fear any illness or trouble, anxiety or pain. Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not your fountain of life? Are you not in the fold of my mantle and the crossing of my arms? Is there anything else you need? You know, I've been reflecting on these words for the past several weeks of the Blessed Mother to St. Juan Diego in the apparition in Guadalupe. And... It's one of those things, every now and then you're looking for that sign and things seem to come to you from multiple places. And Our Lady of Guadalupe has been uh, trying to get through to me for a a while now. Um, And parts of this quote keep popping up all over. And last night was about the third or fourth time in the last two or three weeks that this has happened. And I, I keep coming back to that. Fear not. Am I not... Here, who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Are you not in the fold of my mantle and the crossing of my arms? And every day during this month of October and every day throughout the year, we are going to encourage you to pray the rosary. Now, part of it, you know, again, we go back to Fatima. We go back 105 years ago and we go to the warnings the Blessed Mother gave us and we talk about what she told us would happen if we didn't heed her call to pray the rosary every day. And we went from one great war to another. And we look at the signs of our times around us and we say, wow, the world needs some prayers. Sometimes it can be discouraging, though. Well, what if we don't pray enough? What if our prayers don't have the desired effect? What if there's still suffering in this life? What if there is still evil in this world? Well, I'm pretty confident there's still going to be suffering in this life and there's still going to be evil in this world. But the true test is, do we stick with our Lord and cling to him until our final breath is drawn? We were talking about this at dinner last night. I I was happy to go to a uh, banquet with some friends, and we had a wonderful priest at our table, and and he mentioned, you know, all of these great conversion stories we hear are fantastic, but they're not over until we draw our final breath. And that goes for you and for I. We may not have a grand conversion story, but we have a story of our salvation, and we are a player in that story. And we may be doing really well now, but that doesn't mean we're going to do really well every day. Hence why we often say we're going to need to get to confession. And if you need to go, go. But I know this, the closer we draw to the blessed mother, the closer we draw to her son, the closer we draw to her son, the closer we are to the Holy spirit and to the father. She just draws us in to the triune God. So as you begin your week, 
I wanted to share those words with you, if for no other reason than to remind you the closer you draw to Mary, the better off you will be in this month of October and really throughout the year. So don't be afraid. Go close to her. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with John Martinoni. We are asking that question, what is truth? Uh, you may have heard that before in the scriptures. And then later on, we're going to start a week with uh, our good friend Doug talking about building discipline. And then after that, we're going to wrap up our series with Dr. Brian Gosser that we've been journeying through over the past few weeks. Uh, plus, we've got the catequiz for you and more on the show this morning. But before we can get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of Saints Daniel, Samuel, and companions who were martyrs, and St. Francis Borgia. Born in Spain in 1510, his father was a duke and deeply faithful. As a result, Francis grew up in comfort and privilege, but with a great love for the Lord. When he was about 20, he married Leonor, and they had eight children. He became Duke of Gandia in 1543 when his father died and served on the imperial court. But three years later, Francis' beloved wife died, and soon he began to think about joining a religious order. Over the next six years, he made provisions for his children and then entered the newly formed Society of Jesus and became a Jesuit priest. He had sought a journey of quiet contemplation and prayer, but his administrative skills were just too useful and quickly he was drawn into leadership roles. In 1565, Francis was elected Superior General for the Society of Jesus. He also became the spiritual advisor for the King of Spain. He founded Gregorian University, a dozen and other colleges and missions in Florida, Mexico, and Peru and sent missionaries all over the world. Francis died on this day in 1572 and is considered by many to be the second founder of the Jesuits. St. Francis Borgia, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. It's always good to talk with John Martinoni on a Monday morning, and today we are going to begin a series of segments together looking at one question that Pontius Pilate asked our Lord in the Gospel, and that is, what is truth? So, John, it is very good to have you with us again today, and as Pope Benedict said, we're living in an increasingly relativistic culture. It's a very necessary question. What is truth? Truth is essentially objective reality. Truth is what is, whether anybody believes it or not. So the sun comes up this morning, and the sun comes up every morning. That's true. Whether you, Adam, believe that or I believe that or, or not, it is true, demonstrably true. And again, it doesn't matter if anybody believes it or not. And it's objective, right? It's not it's subject objective. to my feelings. The, the truth is truth whether I like it or not. Exactly. Truth is something is true whether anyone believes it or not. If everyone believes it, you know, something could be false even if everyone believes it to be true. That, that's just the way it is. So you're right. It, it, truth is objective. It is not subjective, not dependent on anyone's beliefs, personal beliefs or feelings. All right. So, John, I guess, you know, you and I have been talking about evangelization lately, and I want to ask this very specific question, and it comes to us from a movie 
the Big Lebowski. Well, yeah, that's just like your opinion, man. How do we even counter that argument? I know we can, but when we're trying to evangelize, when we're trying to share our faith, and, and someone quotes the dude and just says, well, yeah, that's just like your opinion, man, where do we begin? Well, where I usually begin is with philosophical truth. And, and a, a quick story of a, a young lady I was talking to one night. She was, quote-unquote, Catholic. This was a Catholic young adults group. This was several years back before I got married. And she's in a group of people talking about, and I hear her, someone in the group say, well, you know, you don't have to believe in confession as a Catholic. It's, it's not in the Bible. And so I just took a couple steps over there and said, well, actually, it is in the Bible. Here, here, here. And, and the catechism had just come out. This was 94, 95. And I said, and it's in the catechism, which, which contains the official teaching of the Catholic Church. And this young lady says, well, the Bible is just a book written by men. The Catechism is just a book written by men. And it soon became clear to me she's a relativist. You know, one of those that, hey, that's your opinion or that's your truth, man, but that's not my truth. You know, your truth is good for you, my truth is good for me. And so I said, wait, wait a minute. When the Catholic priest consecrates the, the bread and wine, either it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, or, as our Baptist brothers believe, it doesn't. One of us has to be right, one of us has to be wrong, because she wouldn't say anything was wrong. It was all relative. And her response to me was, well, I don't know. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, the priest told me that whatever the person believes who receives the host, that's what's true for them. <laughs> and I looked at her, I said, you're nuts. You know? But the thing is, it's philosophical truth. You have to get to it. There's a principle in philosophy, the basis of knowledge, I, I call it, the principle of contradiction, also sometimes called the principle of non-contradiction. Something either is or it is not. Either, Adam, you and I are sitting here talking to each other today on the phone, or we're not. It cannot be both. So one has to be true, one has to be false. One is, one is not. Again, the, the earth revolves around the sun. Either it does or it doesn't. It can't be both. So there has to be truth. There has to be objective truth, and the principle of non-contradiction is essentially the foundational argument for the fact that there is objective truth, and that's where I usually start with people. Well, John, if, if you hear me laughing in the background here, it's because I'm immediately thinking of a guy I know who has a PhD in philosophy who once said to me, there are no objective truths. And I said, well, that <laughs> statement implies at least one objective truth, and therefore it's false. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, somebody says, you know, the, the similar statement, um, there is an exception to everything. Well, if there's an exception to that statement, then there's not an exception to everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, so exact same thing. Either it is or it is not, can't be both. And so there is objective truth, and that can be demonstrated with just simple logic. All right. Well, John, I look forward to delving further into this over the next couple of weeks. Until next Monday, you have a great day, my friend. You as well, Adam. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name, which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, 
Let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. Here is our catechiz question this morning. If you are going to pray all four sets of mysteries of the rosary in one day, how many times do you pray the, the Apostles' Creed? And how many times do you pray the Hail Holy Queen and the concluding prayer of the rosary? The answer Well, it's kind of a trick question because you could pray them each and every time you pray the rosary throughout the day. If you're not sure, you're going to be able to get to all four rosaries. If you're only only confident that you can get to the rosary you're praying now, you would pray each once. But if you know you're going to pray all four, you have that plan and you know you're going to do it, or maybe you're going to pray all four sets of mysteries in a row, you only have to pray the Apostles' Creed and the Our Father and Three Introductory Hail Marys once at the beginning of your first rosary of the day. And then the Hail Holy Queen in the concluding prayer of the rosary at the conclusion of your final rosary of the day. Now, that might mean that when you go to pray your daily rosary, especially in this month of October, you might want to step up your prayers and, uh, you know, really up your game, as they say. You might sit down to pray all four sets of mysteries at once. Then you would start with You know, you could even go in in a great order would be to start with the joyful mysteries, then pray the luminous mysteries, then the sorrowful mysteries, and then the glorious mysteries. You could start with today's set of mysteries and then go through the cycle. You may do that all in one sitting. You might spread it out through the day and say, I'm going to pray one rosary right now in the morning on my morning drive. I'm going to pray another one mid-morning when I take a break. I'm going to take one, uh, pray one mid-afternoon, and then I'm going to pray one when I go to bed this evening. Could be you're going to pray one in your morning drive or at breakfast time, one at lunch, one at dinner, and one at bedtime. You might pray one after morning mass, one during a holy hour. I, I don't know what your schedule is throughout the day, but I know that you can pray all four sets of mysteries in a day. You could pray two sets of mysteries in a day. You know, often is the case that... Uh, We pray a rosary in the morning, and then maybe later in the afternoon, something's come to our attention that really needs our prayers. We're really trying to figure something out. We're really trying to set ourselves aside so that we get out of the way of God's will. And we're asking to know God's will and to discern God's will. We might say, well, let's stop and pray the rosary. But we've already prayed the rosary today. So then we might pray another set of mysteries. Now, Don't get too scrupulous about this. If you prayed one rosary in the day and then later you decide, I'm going to pray another rosary, and you find yourself praying the Apostles' Creed, the Our Father, and the introductory Hail Marys again, and you say, oh, wait, I I prayed the Hail Holy Queen at the end of that first one, and here I am saying the second one. That's okay. In fact, dare I say, it's not going to hurt. Um, It's only going to be of help. And, And I know you. I know that you don't want to do the bare minimum. So... You don't mind praying the extra prayers just to be safe and to ask for those graces. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to take a break here in a few moments on the show. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how we can build discipline. It's not something that you just wake up and snap your fingers and all of a sudden you have discipline. And then later on, we will continue with uh, Dr. Brian Gosser talking about the gift of human life. 
You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Stay tuned. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. I have to say, I have uh, missed Doug Barry over the past couple weeks. Schedules were kind of crazy for me, kind of crazy for him, but it's good to connect again, Doug, and have you back with us this week. You bet. Good to be with you, Adam. Speaking of which, you know, here's essentially what happened. We fell out of discipline. We had a great discipline going for this is when we're going to tape. This is how we're going to do these things. This is when we're going to have a conversation. We broke the discipline. And that's a common thing when we talk about the spiritual life or just the well-lived life. How do we build a discipline in our life? We know we need to be doing something or maybe we have a desire to do something. Where do we begin? Because I can't tell you how many times I've picked up a task like, I'm going to do this. And then not even a month later. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Right, right, right. I think the first thing for me, at least, would be why. You know, a lot of the the questions people ask is, well, why would I want to do this anyway? Why is this important? Why should I be motivated at all? Now, before we even get to motivation, motivation, inspiration, which is really largely kind of an emotional sort of thing, because you can be inspired for something, motivated for something, and it can fade very easily. There has to be a why that goes a lot deeper than that. You know, I've spoken in so many conferences, parish missions all over the country for more than three decades. And I can, so many people who've come up and said, oh, I'm so fired up, I'm so inspired. I went home and three or four days later, everything just kind of dwindled away. Well, the why wasn't in place, in my opinion. Why am I doing these things? Why do I want to build a new discipline, a better discipline, a better habit? There has to be a motivation that goes far beyond the emotion, the feeling, even the inspiration. There has to be a motivation that goes to something that is grounded and rooted in truth, grounded and rooted in what is actually going to bear fruit. And so let's look at the motivation. Why do I want to get in better shape? Why do I want to clean up my house? Why do I want to declutter my house? Why do I want to make sure that that garage looks better than it ever has? Why do I want to make sure that I'm developing a better prayer life, a better relationship with family and friends? Why should I get out of my comfort zone and actually reach out to people and go have that coffee with that buddy of mine who just wants to hang out, but I don't feel like it. We have to look at the why. The why is going to be different for different people at different chapters of your life too. For me now, all my kids have grown out. So my motivation for staying in shape, for example, or motivation for being prepared to protect and defend is different now. My motivation for praying is changed a little bit too. Because I don't now have that same responsibility for five little children. They're all adults. So I pray for them every day, of course, without doubt, without question. But I also know that the why has changed because now they're getting married. They're having kids. They're, they're moving on with their lives. When they were little, you're just praying that they live to four years old without hitting their head against a coffee table too many times. So you, your why might change. But get that why established and know that there is always always a good why you should develop a better discipline whether it's body mind or soul we've got to work on the health we've got to work on our mental state we've got to work on our knowledge of our faith our our knowledge of, of our skills in this world that god gives us and we've definitely got to work on that spiritual life why would i want to develop a better spiritual life 
personal encounter with God on a deep level so I can spend eternity with him? That's a good why. Let's establish the why first. That helps motivate all the action that follows. Doug, I think that's a great place for us to start. And that question is one we might have to do some soul searching on. But I think, as we say every day here on Roadmap to Heaven, we all have the goal to become saints. And if that isn't enough motivation for us, you know, then let's go to imperfect contrition here. We all want to avoid hell. I I hope it's first and foremost out of love for God that we want to do good things. But certainly out of desire not to go to hell is another great why on some of these things. So I look forward to this week talking about how we can really put good things in place with discipline in our lives. Amen. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. Well, we are wrapping up our series with Dr. Brian Gosser, a Catholic obstetrician and gynecologist here in the St. Louis area. And Dr. Gosser, this has been a wonderful few weeks talking about fertility as a gift, but also some of the struggles and crosses that we carry with fertility or infertility. And, you know, it's very easy to think about infertility is a cross. Sometimes fertility can seem like a cross. I remember when we had our first positive pregnancy test, Beth and I cried tears of joy. About the fifth or sixth time around, you know, there were tears. They may or may not have necessarily been of joy at first. They later became tears of joy. But there were those tears of terror and dread. How are we going to do this? How are we going to afford another child? Do we have room in our house? Do we have to get a new car? And especially in 2022, if we had to upgrade a vehicle right now, oh my goodness, I I don't know what we would do. We'd probably be like Fred and Wilma Flintstone just with the feet on the ground pedaling around because of the car prices right now. But all of that said... It gives us a chance to think about all of these things that we've been talking about and then to go back to what really has started this conversation here on Roadmap to Heaven, Humanae Vitae, Pope St. Paul VI. We've danced around grave reasons, but let's talk about it. Let's not dance around it anymore. I don't think we're ready to get pregnant right now because nine months from now is the Stanley Cup playoff. So, yeah, I don't want to be having a baby then. That's not a grave reason, is it? I, I, you know, it depends. We'll have to get a, a, a judgment from, you know, the Pope or something on that. But yeah, no, I think that's probably not a grave reason. Yeah. So, so what yeah. do we mean when we say grave reasons? Because yeah. I mean, yeah, joking aside, the Stanley Cup is not a, a grave reason. <laughs> the Adam, I, the thing to remember uh, as we've kind of gone through all these in this series uh, is that fertility is a blessing, not a curse. Now, with that being said, that blessing comes wrapped. And it's a gift, but it comes wrapped a little differently from time to time. And and so we, we can sometimes have a negative view of fertility uh, that, my gosh, you know, how many more years of fertility do I have? You know, the average age for, for menopause is 51. So when couples are often in their 40s, they, they may not be thinking about pregnancy at that point. And, and they may have gone into more of an avoiding pregnancy mode. 
you know, referring back to Humana Vitae, which has been around for 54 years now, I love the fact that, that it's specifically vague when it comes to discussing grave reasons. You know, it, it lists, um, I believe it's um, Section 10, but I'm, I'm not sure, physical, economic, psychological, or social reasons. You know, I think St. Paul VI was purposely vague on that because it's something that, that always has to be approached from a, a perspective of prayer. We have to look at it, and, and it's very easy for us to be judgy of other people. What What's a grave reason for one couple certainly wouldn't be a grave reason for another couple. But still, you know, it's, it's something that we need to prayerfully discern with our spouse and God, and, and certainly a good spiritual director and priest is always helpful. Uh, but we're asking God for, for guidance. It's never, and it should never be, an I'm done or we're done mentality. You know, I I've, can't tell you how many times over the years, and maybe not necessarily my own practice, but but in other settings, you know, I've heard people say, oh, yeah, we've had our 2.2 children. We're done. And, and I think how sad that is that they're closed, that they're closed off. You know, I, I think the, the attitude we need to come to it with is, God, show me your will. Help me to lovingly embrace your will. You know, when we talk about following Jesus and taking up our cross and following. You know, I think the most dangerous prayer that we can pray is, Lord, help me to want what you want for me, including my fertility. I give you that whole thing. It's yours anyway. You you gave me this gift. I want to give it back to you. But there are these situations right now that I give to you, God. It's our finances. It's my psychological well-being. It's my you know, maybe there are physical issues. I, I had a patient that had a, a heart problem during one of her previous pregnancies, and she's at risk for needing a heart transplant if she has another pregnancy. Well, you know, that's a serious physical reason, you know, but but it's purposefully vague because we need to be placing these things before God and saying, Lord, I want what you want for me, you know, and so change my heart. If it's, if you do want me to have another baby, please help me to want that and des- desire it. Or you know, I'll accept that if it does happen. But right now, I need you to tell me what your will is. It makes me think of that parable in the gospel of the widow with the two coins, you know, that she gave two coins. And then you have the rich person who gave two coins. And, you know, again, through the eyes of mathematics, two coins are two coins. But through the eyes of the situation, the poor widow who two coins, that's all she has. That is a tremendous gift. But for the millionaire that has two million coins, well, two coins isn't even a drop in the bucket. And so, as you said at the beginning, what's grave for one person might not be grave for another. But again, that idea of, as as St. Faustina said, and you quoted, Jesus, I trust in you. Lord, God, I trust in you that I'm not going to close myself off from this. I may think that this isn't a good time, but ultimately it's in your hands. And that trust that if God calls us to it and he's going to give us a, the means to get through it, or he's, maybe I want to say it this way, that if God calls us to it, he's going to work through the situation then that we find ourselves in. Right. Well, I think most of us want to serve God, but but usually only in an advisory capacity. You know, we, we'd like to kind of inform God about what our plans are, and, and we want him to rubber stamp it. It's about 
trying to take matters into our own hands rather than letting God be God and us not being God. Uh, you know, it's like Abraham in the Old Testament with with Hagar and Ishmael. You know, I, I know you promised that I would be the father of multitudes, but here I'm going to go do this instead because I think I'm helping you out. You know, some couples are lulled into that that lie of contraception. You know, it takes something beautiful like the marital act that could potentially be open to life and renders it sterile through something artificial. Back in one of the earlier segments, we talked about why is sex so holy? Well, because it enables us as married couples to naturally produce trinities, you know, and and to understand God better as a trinity. You know, so when we, we twist something beautiful like the marital act, it really is a serious matter. And and that's why the church speaks out about contraception, because it, it has an effect on us in our marriages. Instead of being something beautiful and loving that other person, it, it kind of degenerates into using them for pleasure, which was never the intention that God had. It meant to be a total it was meant to be a total self-giving act where I'm yours, you're mine, and and we embrace in a way that, you know, it's not always going to be open to life. We know from the biology of it that women are fertile for maybe 12 to 24 hours and the sperm can live a few days in the woman's body. So there's a window of fertility that lasts 3 or 5 days somewhere in that range. So you know, by understanding that and paying attention to that and whatever form of charting people do, you know, it, it can be a very effective way at delaying an, another pregnancy. And in a way that's all natural, it has no side effects like a lot of modern contraception uh, methods do. Well, and, and those side effects aside, I think at the very core of it, we have to be very clear that artificial contraception is not morally permissible. And there, you know, there are some in the world who would say, well, hold on. If I understand everything you've been saying here correctly, if there is a grave reason the Catholic Church teaches that a couple may avoid, work to avoid pregnancy, work to avoid conceiving a child. So if that's the case, why does it matter how they do it? You know, why can't you use an artificial means of contraception versus NFP? Aren't, isn't it essentially the same thing? Isn't that just Catholic contraception? Absolutely. I, I get that question a lot, and I love that because, you know, from my perspective, they're diametrically opposed, okay? Now, l- let me point out a scenario here. Imagine you go to your grandmother's house, and she makes the most sumptuous meal that you could ever imagine, you know, and you just savor this and take it all in and just gorge yourself. It's the best meal you've ever had. And then immediately you go to the bathroom and, and purge and vomit it up. We look at that and say, Boy, that's disordered. We we can really see that, you know, you did that. That there's a name for that. It's called bulimia. Now imagine if your grandmother made this beautiful sumptuous meal, but it just happens to be Good Friday. You want to eat that food so badly, and your mouth is watering. But for a higher reason, you're willing to not eat it because there's a, a time of prayer that you're entering into. It's really that diametrically opposed: charting versus bulimia. You know, when, when we use natural family planning, it appreciates the gift that, that marital love has, that gift of fertility, that it really truly is a gift. Now, sometimes we may be in a situation for those grave reasons that we talked about where we just don't feel like we're able to receive that gift. You know, it's like, I realize what a wonderful gift this is, Lord, but I don't feel like I can receive another child right now. You know, help me to understand if that's what your will is. 
Now, can couples use natural family planning in a selfish way? Well, yeah, I think it's possible, but I don't, I don't think that's as serious a, a nature to the sin as actually contracepting. You know, if I were to say, you know, gee, I need to diet, so I'm going to do some fasting. Yeah, I may be using that fasting angle, you know, for, for the wrong purpose, but, you know, it's really not as bad as, as vomiting out the food. Yeah, it's, it's a complex thing. It's a difficult conversation we've been having over the uh, past few weeks, but I think maybe we end it here just with that reiteration that all of this, all of this is rooted in the fact that those who are called to marriage and, and really everyone, we all have the gift in some way, shape or form of fertility, but there is a right way and an ordered way that God gives us just like everything in life to live out a life as fertile human beings. And it's in the sacrament of marriage. There's a place for it. Sometimes it's going to be joyful. Sometimes it's going to be heartbreaking. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that all of this is a gift from God, and we're supposed to use it on God's terms, not on our own. Correct. Yeah, and I think God uses fertility in a way to bring us to him. It's an area of our lives where we don't have full control over, and glory to God for that, because he can take us on a journey that we would have never chosen for ourselves. It may be hard. There may be some very difficult times. It is a cross, but there's joy in it. And I I think that's what we have to keep coming back to. There's joy in accepting that cross, whatever fertility cross God might give us individually. So, Dr. Gosser, I want to thank you for being with us on the show these past few weeks. If you want to go back and listen to all of these segments with Dr. Gosser, then be sure to check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast wherever you get your podcast or by visiting Our Catholic Radio. Dot org, and you can find it there under the Programs tab. Dr. Brian Gosser, on behalf of all of us, thank you. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer to the Archangel Gabriel. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, we beseech thee, do thou intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that, as thou didst denounce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, So, through thy prayers and patronage in heaven, we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. It's Monday, which means it's time for a new Daily Dose of Encouragement and a new theme for the week. Patty Schneier is with us. And Patty, what will we be discussing this week? Well, this week, I just have on my heart anyone who is struggling in their marriage And I would like us all, just as a community of listeners on Covenant Network and believers, to be praying for anyone we know that is struggling in their marriage. So that's the first thing I want to say this week. Let's just all do that together to commit to be praying for those. And I found this beautiful prayer. So if this is you, maybe you can pray these words with me. Or if it's someone that you know, you might want to pray along right now and pray this for someone that you know and love. It's just a prayer that I want to share. I found it on my Laudel app. It's a prayer for those who are struggling in marriage. And here it is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, you raised marriage to the dignity of a sacrament, a sacred sign of love and unity between yourself and your spouse, the church. You give married couples the grace they need to live together in love and harmony. Yet that grace seems out of reach for the one I loved and married and for me. 
Our love has vanished, our marriage has faltered, and our children have certainly been harmed. According to the measure of our faith, teach each of us how to regain what has been lost, to change all that can be changed, and to accept whatever cannot be changed. I come to you now in prayer, O Lord, asking for your divine mercy upon my children, my spouse, and me. Heal us so that we may be reassured that your love and forgiveness remain with each one of us. Grant that the problems that led to this grave situation may be the occasion for growth in both of us, greater respect for each other, mutual pardon, and deeper faith. Draw from this messy pain true good for our children, my spouse and myself. Especially I pray for our children. Hold them in the palm of your hand and teach my spouse and me how to care for them as you do. Give us strength, wisdom, healing, and understanding, dear Lord. Lavish them and on us in great measure. Cause each one of us to respond generously to these graces in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, I read that prayer in the first person that if you are struggling in your marriage, you could pray those exact words. So today, my encouragement is pray for anyone who is struggling in their marriage. Let's do this as a community of believers. And may those who are struggling find hope and healing. Amen. Amen. Patty, I'm glad you've picked this topic for us this week. It's one that I cannot help but think for anyone who's saying, wait, that's me. Don't forget, you're not alone in this as well. Well, as we wrap up the show today, I'd like to start where, well, I'd like to finish where we started, and that is with an encouragement to pray the rosary each and every day this month, draw near to the Blessed Mother, especially uh, pray for all of those couples that Dr. Gosser and I were talking about that are uh, striving to be open to life amid all the pressures of the world. Um, Pray for them. The Blessed Mother has great care for them. I was at a uh, dinner last night, and one of the things that the speaker was talking about was this whole idea of loving your children, born and unborn. And he made a, a very difficult point that, you know, as much as we struggle to see how God can act in the hearts of those who promote things that are just so grave and evil in the world, that they're still beloved children of God and he longs for their conversion and we should pray for their conversion. And I know there are a great number of Catholic couples that are under a lot of pressure, peer pressure and otherwise to, you know, use contraception to not follow church teaching when it comes to the family. Um, It's hard to live our Catholic faith, and so we should pray for those who are striving to live it. And we should pray for the conversion of those who not only turn away from it, but we should pray for the conversion of those who try to turn people away from it in their actions or in their words. So we pray for everyone's conversion, including our own. So we said at the start of the show, you know, every day we're called to conversion as well. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, someone asked me the other day why we don't have Halloween decorations in front of our house. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to get a big old statue of St. Joseph to put next to the big old statue of the Blessed Mother we have in front of our house. And then if someone asks that question again, I'm just going to say, look, we've got the queen who defeated the, the serpent and the terror of demons in the front yard. You're not going to see spooky things here. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.